Hello, you lovely lot, and welcome to the Independent Spouse Podcast. I'm Jess Sands, founder of the Independent Spouse and current military wife running my own business, Design Jessica, from our Marie Quarter. Each week, I'll be bringing you inspiring interviews that go behind the scenes of an amazing business, charity or project created by someone also living the military life. Today, I've been chatting to some amazing women who have founded Strength Behind the Strong. Sharon, Emma and Ness are from the very first Military Wives Choirs in Chivna, which featured in the TV series with Gareth Malone, Limpston and Portsmouth. Together with a number of other military wives, they volunteered their time and worked together to create the charity, the Military Wives Choirs Foundation. A legacy of the success of the number one single, Wherever You Are, the charity has gone on to support thousands of women in the military community singing in choirs. Now, led by Sharon, they are focused on bridging the gap in support for military wives and their families with Strength Behind the Strong. Strength Behind the Strong emerged out of a pursuit to inspire and support the community and a desire for actions to speak louder than words. A desire to help women just like us in their everyday lives and in times of crisis. I really hope you enjoy this very special episode. So today is a little bit different for the independent spouse. I have been joined by three wonderful women who together have created something amazing. So before we get started, I think they should introduce themselves to you. So I'll go first. I'm Sharon. I am married to a Royal Marine, have been for many, many years. And I, along with um, the ladies here with me today and others, we set up the Military Wise Choirs Foundation following the success um, in 2011 with Wherever You Are as a legacy of that success. Hi, I'm Vanessa, otherwise known as Nest to everybody who knows me. I am a naval wren. I subsequently then married a Royal Marine. Um, My sister also married a Royal Marine. Um, My husband has just finished service and I'm now also a naval mum. So I've pretty much seen military life right from the moment I drew breath. (laughs) My name's Emma. Uh, My husband is in the Royal Navy. Um, I met Sharon and Vanessa through the Military Wives Choirs. I was a member of the Portsmouth Choir, the Resyth Choir and the York Choir, um, now living um, outside of the military network really because I'm living up in wonderful North Yorkshire um, and so slightly detached from military life these days. And now you've all come together to form something completely wonderful that is Strength Behind the Strong. Um, But before we start talking about that, we should probably go back to your roots, which is, of course, as you've already mentioned, the Military Wives Choirs. Um, So you were part of the original charity, your founders of the original charity back in 2011. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it was. um, I mean, before um, 2012, at the end of 2011-2012, I'd never met um, these ladies before. And they're now some of my best friends. We've shared some amazing experience and we've achieved some truly amazing things um we i look back to the very first meetings that we had in january early early 2012 and actually we just had this group of women who had never met a couple of us had met um but we all had these great skills and a shared vision to make the lives of people like us better and actually by pooling that knowledge and working together and supporting each other, 
we it created the Military Wives Choirs Foundation. I mean, I count the, these ladies are amazing. We, I look back now and actually I, it's, it's hard to struggle and remember everything that we did because there was so much. We, from creating a charity, we were managing an album production through to TV appearances to um, helping ladies set up choirs. And that's, that's why the charity was created to support women like us as they set up and run choirs. They're all volunteers. So we were using our own experiences and drawing on that to help these, uh, to help these women as they were running their own choirs. I think we realised pretty early on that it needed to be wider, didn't it? There were a handful of choirs kind of were starting um, and we realised the benefit of it. And so we wanted to make sure it grew. But in order for it to grow more quickly, we didn't need people reinventing the wheel. We'd realised pretty early what was working, what wasn't working. So we were able, we needed to find a way to share that knowledge so that it could grow sort of exponentially quickly. Um, and, and so rather than just somebody starting from scratch, we started to pull documents, we started to pull information and we became a bit of a central focal point. And then we needed to formalize it a bit more because it was becoming unwieldy, wasn't it? Where we had so much to do. There was only three of us and suddenly another choir was starting and another choir was starting. And so we kind of thought, right, we need to kind of think about how we're going to manage this now. And also about sharing the sharing the love and managing the 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 sheer volume of women. You know, we look back to 2012 when we launched the charity, and we brought every lady that we could to Wellington Barracks to record a video for the title track on the album and to launch a charity. So, I mean, Emma, you, the logistics alone around that and getting this lady because we had we worked on the basis that no one lady was more or less important than another and actually there should be no barrier to anybody coming to that I think but I think before that um one of the things that I think one of the key things for me was that um none of us had any experience in what we were doing we were all learning on the fly and supporting each other in learning how to put this organization together and that was really key because it showed us that we could do things and how we could do things and how we could do things together. Um, and it was the unit of, um, was there was five, five of us at that time, working together, bouncing ideas off each other, um, working independently, but then working together to, to pull this, all these ideas together into something that really worked really well. Yeah, and what was our background? Because we realised, didn't we, what, Sharon, your, your background's in marketing and branding. I was a lawyer. Um, Emma's background was, what, finance and data. Uh, and Joppy was a Samaritan, wasn't she? So actually, we, we kind of went, maybe we need to draw on some of our professional skills. Um, and, and we suddenly realised, actually, yeah, we've, we've got the skills to do this, even though it was all new. I was given governance. I had no idea about charitable, govern charitable governance at all. Um, and it was this huge sort of folder of information that we had to get ourselves up to speed with so very, very quickly so that we, we, we didn't allow everybody else to make the same mistakes and we gave ourselves some structure to work within. It, it really was a, a, the most collaborative thing that I've ever worked in in my life. It, yeah, it was. A, you hear so much, don't you, about women, sort of women in the workplace, or that you've got to be really hard, or there's all sorts of negative connotations with women. I think working together, but actually, we found quite the reverse. What we found was there was zero ego, 
um, each one of us recognized what each other's skills were. So say, for example, obviously, if we were negotiating a contract with the BBC, that would be, oh, Ness, you can go and deal with that. If it was looking at branding and looking at actually where the branding was going, that was straight over to Sharon. If it was governance, it was over to Emma. And actually, nobody got territorial about anything. It was just who's best at what. Let's just share the share the load. But also, we were all prepared to work as hard as each other. You know, we, I mean, there was a point, wasn't there, when we were putting in 16-hour days in the run-up to performances on the television or at the Albert Hall or whatever. I always remember Kelly because she was Kelly was looking after events. So actually, only the the tel, the televised stuff, but also we were getting events in locally that we were trying to put out to choirs and quite big profile events. And she was doing that, and she was also working. And her husband was away, and she had two children. And she, you know, we were. It was incredible to think, and and she was putting in so many hours. You know, Caroline dealing with the ladies that had the issues and trying to run her choir, run their choirs and giving them advice on how to set up choirs. And it just how we all worked, how we all trusted each other. So it, there was a huge amount of trust and we'd never worked together. There was never, and there was never any falling out. There was just this shared trust and, and shared vision to create, to make sure that the lives of people like us were a little bit better. And that they got those ladies like us got to experience a little bit of the magic that we had experienced, you know, and they, um, and silly things, silly things. I look back now and think about, you know, not having, not having sandwiches <laughs> when you went, when you got somewhere, because if you traveled, you know, some ladies were traveling eight hours on a bus, you know, the logistics of getting ladies and they'd, they'd sort of childcare for their children and so they could go and do this and be the face of this wonderful thing we were creating. We were saying, we need to give them something hot, really. You know, they can't have a sandwich. Um, just little things that we, you know, that, that we made a difference. And it has, and then the choirs have made such a difference. So I, when I was watching the television show and the Royal Albert Hall performance, this was before I was married. So I wasn't really within the military community then, but I knew my husband at the time, well, my boyfriend at the time. Um, and what you have provided and set up for so many military women in the community is just fantastic. I have since joined two different choirs um, and I have embraced it all from the start. And it has been the best support network that I have ever could have found. I was at Bresnorton, which is the super base where there's hundreds of thousands of wives there and mums and family members. And it's very difficult to sort of find your place there. But there was a choir there. And I knew that straight away I could go there and I could be in a group of people that, you know, have been wives for years or were newly married like me and that the support would be there. But in a wider sort of network, thinking about the civilian community, how the view of the military and especially the military spouse changed was quite phenomenal over those couple of years that you were doing all these events. I mean, I could, you know, I can remember um, going into work because I was still working. So, uh, you know, the early like first nine months or so of, you know, creating, setting up the charity and doing all of these things. I was still working. And after the TV program came out, I can remember getting to work and, and a guy that I worked, I'd, know, I'd worked with him a really long time, you know, 12 years longer, probably. And him saying, you know, I drive past that every day. I see you every day at work. And he said, I had no clue. 
just didn't even enter my mind. You know, I knew your husband was away. I knew you were going through all of these things, but actually it was kind of off my radar, even though I live in this community. And I think that's what it did. It just, it, it gave military wives a voice. That's, you know, that's what we did in their, in, in their local communities. It gave, it gave them a, a, a voice. But it wasn't just, it wasn't just in the local communities. Do you remember when I went on that cruise? And uh, so my really bizarre situation is that we, I went on a cruise um, and the cruise director asked if I would give a talk on the military. They found out I'd been in the military wise choir. And the cruise director asked if I would give a, uh, a talk to, about the military wives choirs to the passengers on, I think it was the second to last day of the cruise. So my husband had been doing these various talks about, you know, anti-piracy. And yours truly trots on and, and does two talks about the military wives choirs. And I had most of the people in the audience in tears just because we could explain what it did, what it meant to us and what it meant to everybody else. And it was so refreshing to suddenly, for A, me to be as important as my husband when it came to things military, because obviously my husband's the most important thing. Um, but it, it, it really did get it over to you to me personally at that point, that what we had created was really touching people in a different way and making them recognize that the families behind the guys and the girls um, were, were part of the story and were, were, had been so ignored and almost like almost disrespected, I suppose, for so long. And we, we gained this huge amount of respect for the silent role that we had played for so long. And I think I, uh, I look back, I, my father was serving when the Falklands War was on um, and there was, there was just nothing, you know, there was nothing other than your dad's name was on the list or it wasn't on the list when people started to die. And, and so I remember, I have really powerful memories of that time in my life as a child and there was certainly nothing to help me out as a military kid. I then grow up and my husband's off in Afghanistan and I'm trying to hold down a professional career. And the only time he can call me is in, the, in an open plan office um, where I'm trying to keep it together. And he's in the middle of the Hulu phoning me on a satellite phone. But the thing that also came out of it and the point I was kind of getting around to is I, you know, I am tough as old boots, but it and so I don't want to be whinging and moaning about it. What I found myself personally from the choirs was you could go along. And it was a positive environment. You were singing, you were uplifted, um, and you didn't feel weak and moaning at a coffee morning. You felt full of joy and uplifted to sort of then to, to get your big girl pants on and go back and face the next week, isn't it? And, and I think it was actually that demonstration of the fact that we're sort of not all quivering wrecks at home. We are quivering wrecks inside some of the time, but actually, you know, it, we, we are able to help ourselves. And the military wives choirs was a, an amazing opportunity for women to go. I've got this. I can help myself um, and, and, and get out there and, and sort of stand proud and be proud of your association with the military, but also have have something that you can do independently for yourself. Um, and I think that's sort of more where military wives are going, isn't it? We're sort of we're not sort of in the in the backdraft of the gents all the time. And it is true. And we are, yes, we are definitely making noises and we are becoming the people that we should have been all along. And the choirs have helped this and it is such a fantastic thing. But obviously some of us um, choose not to sing. 
and that's a lot of the feedback I have whenever I meet my new patch friends. I'm like, come along to choir, you'll love it. And they're like, oh no, I can't sing. But you're now creating Strength Behind the Strong, which is all about supporting all of the women that are like us. So how is that going? And can you tell me about it? Of course. Well, it's still it's still very early days at the moment. But actually, what we what we found um, from the choirs network, as you say, is that not everybody wants to sing. We can talk about the benefits of singing and how it is uplifting and you're learning a new skill and all of those things. But the bottom line is not everybody wants to sing. And so there is still this there are a huge proportion of um uh, wives, spouses in the community who are not supported. And actually, we want to make sure that they are supported. Um, we want to empower them to be the best version of themselves that they can possibly be and help them and give them support when they need it or give them the skills that they need or that they want so that they can be this best version of themselves. You know, that they're, they're in this life and, and this life can be pretty tough sometimes it can be pretty lonely it's not always you know if you're you're, I think you said you've moved five times in five years that you know that's five lots of friends you you know if you think about it it's either five jobs that you could potentially have to move job and start again five lots of friends that you could have to make and actually with each of those moves there's a potential for your confidence to be knocked each time and you become and it's very easy to become very reliant upon your husband or you know your spouse because that's what you know when you're moving so frequently and so actually what we want to do is to take the best bits that we've learned um, and pass them on to people like us and to help them and to give them support when they need it. And that is that is the real crux of it. I am quite passionate about the fact that because you rely so much on them and to have some sort of network is so very important. Yeah. And just and I think as well, just to empower you to know you can ask for the there are there are resources out there, but we want to make those resources easy to access. There are there, you know, we can there is there is already welfare support there. They're already doing that. That's fine. But actually this is it's for the wives by the wives. It's somebody like you giving helping you to be the best version that you can be and to navigate your way through everything from that day-to-day making friends dealing with conflict through to uh, the a bigger issue that might need counseling or something I think I look I looked at myself about this so I had a job I was holding down a responsible job I was a solicitor I had my own identity and then when I got married I let my own identity slip away and so despite the fact I had this accomplished career I suddenly stopped being Ness with clients and a life and became oh she's so-and-so's wife Um, And even I watched my confidence eroded and combine that with the stress of deployments or what have you, you know, that that brings its own troubles, doesn't it? So actually, I kind of lost my identity a bit, despite the fact I had a good job and all the rest of it. So what I actually needed was some sort of positive mindset training, maybe at that time that, you know, I'm an intelligent woman. Give me the tools and I'll learn and I'll use them. It's not that I need welfare help. I don't need welfare help. I just need somebody to, who's who's more qualified than I in a particular field to help me navigate my way through that. Um, and so it's a sort of, you know, help me to help myself um, scenario rather than rather than it necessarily being that I'm unable. It's, it's just I don't have the tools. 
So give me the tools and I'll, I'll go help myself. And I think that's what we want to do, isn't it, is, is provide the tools. And I think the other thing is, uh, and it, it, it is a difficult thing to get your head around sometimes, is that there's no such thing as a typical military wife. We're all in different, you know, if you look at just the three of us, we're all in very, very different situations. Um, I'm a weekending wife. My husband only comes at home at weekends. In the last year, he's had a 12-month um, op deployment. Um, I'm not living on a patch, so I'm not surrounded by the support network. The difference between the Navy and the Army and the RAF in the terms of support that they're able to provide, you know, from an Army point of view, they have a welfare officer. From a Naval point of view, we don't. So it's really difficult to find that standard um, support network that you are expecting when, you, when you're referred to as a, as a military wife, because it's not there, because it's so different depending on your personal circumstances. And I think what's so what's missing is is what is we're trying to fill at this point is a single point of contact where it won't have all the answers. But if it doesn't have the answers, at least it can um, point you in the right direction to get the help and the support that you need to be the best version of yourself. Yes. And we all have to remember that we actually don't really have anything in common apart from the fact that our partner's job is you know their big boss is the queen that's the only thing we have in common and we're all thrown together into this world where we've either had you know careers that we've left or family that we've left or we choose not to leave them but our partners commute and actually we've all got very unique challenges but it's definitely loneliness and it's definitely helped with the mental health side of things I genuinely believe that if the spouses could have more support with that, then it would solve the MOD's retainment issues. And generally, everybody would just be a lot happier in their work. Yeah. And I think as well that, that sometimes when life throws up, the, you know, throws up the tricky situations that, you know, if you are given the tools to be able to help yourself, you can. it's much easier, isn't it? It's much easier to do that. And that's what we're talking about, giving you the tools giving you access to people that can help you when you need that help. And also understanding you're, the, you're not the only person that's feeling that way, that you're not, you don't have to be this strong, silent person behind the scenes, that you can put your hand up and say, you know, I, I know I can be better than this. I just need somebody to tell me and help me through this. It's, it's, it's not, you're not failing because you're not coping. I think as well, I can remember being at, choir actually and sitting next to friends and 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 hearing the conversations going on and seeing all these light bulb moments as ladies are talking about the situations they're finding themselves in whether it's that they felt their their husband was um there was ptsd was being questioned or something else and you find yourself going actually i'm not alone there are other people that are experiencing this as well because I think sometimes it can feel incredibly isolating when you find yourself in that tricky situation. You're already quite isolated anyway and then you have that thrown in as well to know that there are other people like you experiencing things like you is great um, comfort really. Yeah and I think also it's, I, think, I think we have a tendency to be a bit silent. Um, we sort of just sort of carry on don't we? We don't how, how often were you told when they were deployed, you know, don't give them the problems for home in the 10 minutes you've got on the sat phone? And you're going, well, no, OK, I respect the fact that it's probably he doesn't need to know the boiler's broken down while he's in the middle of a war zone. However, you have got to deal with that and you don't want to seem weak. So you'll keep you're being strong and silent. But actually, we can be strong and verbal. We don't have to be silent. 
Um, and actually the strength may come from being able to verbalize some of this stuff. So I think there is sort of that that as well, isn't there, that the choir has just created a, a forum for you to just chat and for it to be a discussion um, rather than a sense of weakness. Whereas I think if you feel that you've got to go and speak to welfare, attached to that is a sense of I failed at this if I'm speaking to welfare. Um, but and quite often you don't even need, you wouldn't need to speak to welfare at all. You just need somebody who's got your back. So Strength Behind the Strong is going to be the place where I head to when I need support in my military life. So how are you providing that? Is it signposting me in the right direction or you be providing courses for me? How's it working? It's going to be a bit of everything. That's our vision. That's our vision. It's very early. Like I say, it's very early days. So actually, what a lot of what we're doing is about capturing um, stories and capturing evidence so capture, capturing that experience of other people that they've had so be that good bad indifferent whatever that is to share it because it's all well and good us saying we know this because we've talked about it we actually need the evidence so that's part of the the groundwork that we're doing but also there will be some signposting to resource there's some great resources already available but also we would lo- love it to be um, online um, resources online courses because actually the nature of what we're doing actually it's much easier if it's if you can do it online than have to go somewhere and then the logistics of finding childcare because your husband's away or whatever online a- access to online resources that can help you or access to people that can support you as well when you need that and sharing experiences because sometimes um i think one of the things that when i first on my very first deployment, I thought that I was the only person that had ever felt this way about my husband disappearing for nine months. And actually, it's fairly normal. So one of the things that is really, really helpful, was really helpful about being in the choirs, was for people to tell you that what you're doing and feeling is normal. So in these kind of virtual coffee shops that we could, we could put together, it, it's just that reassurance that you're not... what you're feeling is not it's not wrong to be feeling that and just giving that really simple support to people it's it's about simple support as well as um, building confidence that they can they can do this and that the alternative as you say is not him or the job so it brings me to the question if you were to start back before the choirs before strength behind the strong what would be the one thing that you would tell yourself do it take the risk and ask the difficult questions and be kind i would tell myself not to be put in a box um and not to be defined by other people's expectations of me because i think sometimes that it's easy to feel that you can't be more than the way people perceive you mine would probably be don't be silent i yeah i think i am I don't know whether it's because I was raised in the military, but, you know, not saying a word was probably the modus operandi for my life. My, you know, I remember my dad was in Ireland when the troubles were on, so you weren't allowed to tell anybody your dad was military. I wasn't ha- allowed to, we weren't allowed to have posts that referred to my dad being military, so it's just don't, don't say anything. Um, and then when my husband went off to Afghanistan, I thought, well, I can't, you know, I, I'll, I'll just be silent about the fact that I'm really struggling today. But actually, I it wouldn't have been a weakness to say actually it's not such a good day today um so don't be silent and sort of not being silent doesn't mean you're weak and ask questions 
don't be afraid to ask ask questions that would be the other thing don't be afraid to ask questions don't be that person that thinks i don't want to i don't want to ask that because you know i might look silly or ask that question because there were plenty we've had plenty of instances where I've been in the meetings with big execs and just said don't know <laughs> don't know what the answer is don't be afraid you only know what you know and actually everything else you can learn and I think in relation to when we set up the choirs, um, just go for it. We, you know, I can remember sitting in that meeting with, we, we met with the top executives of Decca Records. Can you imagine the scene? You're just a woman. I lived in Deffen. And we go along to a meeting with the head of Decca Records. It was, you and I were sat there pinching each other going, is this for real? Who was in before us? Rod Stewart, was it? Somebody was in the visitor's book. I'm sure it was Rod Stewart was in. And we're like, hang on a minute. Rod Stewart went into the meeting before us and we're about to go sit down. But anyway, we're sat in this meeting. Inside, I'm an absolute gibbering wreck thinking I'm way out of my comfort zone here. And within 15 minutes, we're arguing um, over a list of um, songs that Gareth had sort of selected to potentially be on the album. And we were going, no, 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 don't want that one. Oh, we quite like that one. And you're thinking, hang on a minute, 15 minutes ago, I was absolutely terrified. And 15 minutes later, we, in a desperate bid to properly reflect what we felt was our military wives that we were so protective of, was that certain songs were too morbid and maudling. And we thought, no, that doesn't represent us. So we're saying, nope, those can't be in and we will have the other ones. And so actually, we kind of very quickly just stood up to the plate and negotiated with the best interests of all of our fellow military wives at heart um and so yeah so give it a go and go for it and we didn't negotiate just the tracks do you remember negotiating we were told that they wouldn't give us the expenses that we needed to cover some of the costs of the ladies they wouldn't give us the babysitting money to allow everybody to be involved and we asked for it and we got it we did we did so we made sure that military wives weren't out of pocket because the bbc wanted us to go and sing so you know there was one argument was well you should be so lucky to go and sing on the bbc and we were saying whoa 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 hang on you want us on the bbc because you want viewership these ladies are singing just because they need a bit of a get together each week and to be uplifted they didn't get involved with us to come and be on the bbc so if you want them to come and be on the bbc don't ask them for, to support their husbands going off and spend their own money coming to sort of perform for you. They'll come and they will show you how brilliant military wives are. But, you know, cover their childcare costs because their husband's away and nobody's actually there to help them. Or, you know, buy them some sandwiches. It, was, it, it wasn't an unreasonable ask. You would do it if they were a famous... Um, you know, somebody famous. If it was coming, Rod Stewart. If it was Rod Stewart, <laughs> yeah, Rod Stewart wouldn't be buying his own sandwiches, would he? So, yeah. So we did. We were prepared to sort of stand our ground and, and ask, make reasonable requests. Um, and I think that's actually a really good indicator of, of sort of military wise. Yeah, de definitely don't be afraid to ask for what you want. We do. We do have a voice and what we say is valid. And I find myself sometimes, you know, sitting in my marriage working away and I've lost my confidence a little bit and I'm a bit lost. But actually what I have to say is valid. And that's why I've started these podcasts. Um, so, yeah, we have a valid voice and it's really important. And you are all walking, talking testaments of giving it a go and telling people what you want. And that's really important. What is going to be the plan for Strength Behind the Strong? And if I want to find you and get involved, how can I do that? So you can find us on um, social media. So we've got Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, 
at strength behind the strong and strengthbehindthestrong.co.uk as a website so what we need to do initially is to get, gather stories for our blog so the, the website is predominantly a blog at the moment and we want the, the evidence there that says that there's a need for what we're doing because we're talking about it we know about it but we want that that resource we want to be able to say here is your pool of evidence they can be anonymized they can be in your name it's entirely up to you we want to hear from you good bad indifferent whatever your experiences are drop us a line and get in touch future plans for what we're going to do is happiness is you everybody's responsible for their own happiness so it's an inside job so it's about creating um resource um, online resources for people to access. It's about creating a community, an online community where you can access other support from other people like you in a safe, kind, supportive way. Which is so important and there's such a need for just those quick little fixes and any ongoing support that we can have. Emma, Sharon, Aness, it has been so brilliant to talk to you today. I have been a member of the choir since slightly before I was married. I snuck in there and it has actually um, changed my life and it has changed my marriage for positive reasons. And I think what you have done and the hard work that you've put into it has been so worth it from my own perspective. So thank you so much for that. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what strength behind the strong can achieve as well. And I know that you will go from strength to strength and you will be stronger together and all of those other hashtags that you have done in the past that are just so brilliant. So thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you. And good luck with design, Jessica. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you've enjoyed it and it has inspired you. Please subscribe so that you can have access to each episode as soon as it's released. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you found me. It really helps spread the word so that more lovely people like you can listen to the episodes. Thank you so much for listening along. Um, I'll be back soon with another inspiring episode. See you then.